you have your Bible with you, kindly open it to uh, James chapter 5, verse 7 to 12. James chapter 5, verse 7 to 12. And um, if you're there, please stand as we read God's Word. Alright, let's read James chapter 5, verse 7 to 12 in unison. Let's read. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be patient until the Lord is coming. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, and is patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also must be patient. Strengthen your hearts, because the Lord's coming is near. Brothers and sisters, do not complain about one another, so that you do not be judged. Look, the judge stands at the door. Brothers and sisters, take the prophets who spoke in the Lord's name as an example of suffering and patience. See, we count blessed those who have endured. You have heard of Job's endurance, and you have seen the outcome that the Lord has brought about. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth, or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes, and your no be no, so that you won't fall under judgment. Let us all pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much, O God. Thank you for your words, Father God. Thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to learn from your word, O God. It is our prayer, Father God, that we will obey your word, your command, Father God, to us. And Father, we pray <coughs> that you forgive us of our sins. We don't, we, we, we pray that there will be no hindrances, Father God, as we listen to your word. And Father God, we pray that your name will be glorified today, Father. And we pray, Father God, that you override my preparation, Father God. It's not me, it's you, O Lord. Thank you, O Holy Spirit. Move and talk to your people, Father. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may now be seated. Thank you. All right, church. We are almost done in our study in the book of James. You know, chapter 5 is the last chapter of this book. And uh, guess what? I enjoy studying the book because, that, because there are lessons in the book that are applicable, I mean all the lessons are applicable and, and practical in my Christian walk. I say it is practical because it challenges me as a Christian. I don't know about you, but every time I read James, it is challenging me to live a better life, to live uh, the best Christian life I have. And I say it is... Um, applicable because all the answers that were given in the book of James, I mean all the, the answers that were given in the book of James, all the problems that the Christians face are also the same problems and answer that we are, are facing right now. So it is not different. The old people, the old believers in, in the book of James are not different from us. They were persecuted. Some of you are persecuted in your workplace, in your home, in your neighborhood, 
Some of you lost probably their job because of, of your faith. They lost their job. They can't buy food because of their faith. And they were murdered. And a lot of Christians in our modern times are, were murdered, especially in Asia. China right now are persecuting Christians. They have price in their heads. You know that? If you're a Christian, the government will pay for your head so that you will be put to, j to jail. They have that same problem in the book of James. So it is practical. It is applicable in our lives. All the lessons that the, all the lessons James had written in his book. And this is what the lessons that James is trying to convey us is that God is faithful even in the times of persecution. Even in the midst of challenges in our lives, God is faithful. And I said a while ago that the lessons are written in the book of James or any book in the Bible are applicable and, and practical in our life. It will be applicable in our life if we only, if we are willing to obey God and trust Him in the process. You see, church, you can only see and experience the lessons in the Bible if you yourself are ready to let go and let God. But if you keep on denying God in your life, you will never experience God's wonderful miracle. We have heard a while ago, Sister Bardi, right? She was denying God. She was trying to block God in her life, but God made a way to make sure that she will see God's miracle in her life. All you have to do is to let Him be God in your life. And when you read the book of James and any book in the Bible, it will challenge you to be a better Christian. It will challenge you to be a Christ-centered person. And it will challenge you as you wait for the second coming of Christ to be patient, to endure the persecution, to endure every challenges in your life, like what James wrote in his book. You know, church, I believe we became so relaxed and comfortable in our Christian life that we have now forgotten the second coming of Christ. Who among you here talks about the second coming of Christ whenever you have dinner or just talking to your husband or to your wife? Have you ever talked about the second coming of Christ with your children? You're not alone. Because according to Barna's survey in 2018 among American churchgoers, they asked the question if they heard the Great Commission. 6% of the responders said that they are not sure about it. They're not sure about the Great Commission. 25% of the churchgoers said, this is in 2018, this is American churchgoers. 25% said that they have heard about it, but they can't remember 
what was he all about? That's 25%. And 17% of the respondents said that they know what the Great Commission is. And 51% of the respondents said that they do not know about the Great Commission. 51% of churchgoer, American Christian churchgoer, they don't know about the Great Commission. And in 2018, also, they conducted a, um, a survey among Christian, American Christian, if they still believe and read the Bible. In 2016, it was 9% of among Christian that they read the Bible and believe the content of the Bible, and they rely all their decisions in the Bible. And guess what? In 2018, 5% of Christians rely on the Bible. There are two possible reasons why American Christians are starting to not prioritize the Bible and not or does not know about the Great Commission also is that first the pastors American pastor does not preach about it second the pastor preach about it but the Christians does not care about the Great Commission and if I if you are going to be honest to ourselves and to God most Christians are tired of hearing the second coming of Christ. We probably say, we talk about the second coming of Christ, we talk about the Great Commission, that we need to, to disciple, share the gospel, but where is Christ? He said that He's coming back, but He's not here yet, and I'm tired of waiting. I'm tired of, of praying that, Lord, come now. This is actually what is happening in the book of, of James. When the people who were oppressed, when the people are Christians who are oppressed by the rich people, they are so tired of waiting for the judgment. They are so tired of waiting for God's coming. They want God to come now. And they are asking themselves, when is God coming so that we can have justice? They start, start to, to doubt, is God coming? It's like in our generation, a lot of people, a lot of Christians are doubting if God is coming. Church, He is coming. The Bible talks about His second coming. Actually, the greatest, one of the greatest activity in the calendar of God is His second coming. I am excited for His second coming. I can't wait for God to come. But if you are going to ask me, when is that day? I don't know. I'm not God. I cannot even say probably in 2030 or 2019. I don't know. But my prayer is that I can see God's coming. Because if you read Revelation, it's wonderful how God descend from heaven. And it's wonderful because all the Christians are going to 
to meet Him in heaven. But like what I said, a lot of people doesn't wait anymore. They don't have the patience to wait anymore. For many of us, waiting is a waste of time. We don't even want to wait. When we are buying coffee or in a grocery store and we are about to pay and we see a long line, what do we do? I'll just buy this uh, grocery item next time. Right? We don't want to wait. But when you use the waiting part for your own advantage, you see, you will see a different perspective. This is what James is teaching us as we wait for Jesus Christ coming. We have to patiently endure the challenges in our Christian walk. We have challenges in our Christian walk. Probably you are not being persecuted right now. But your challenge is that you have a hard time reading God's word. That is your challenge. Or probably you are having a hard time sharing the word of God to your co-worker, to your friends, to your family. That is your, uh, that is your, uh, your challenge in life. Or probably you have uh, a challenge in, in your workplace that does not allow you to share the gospel. Or probably some of you are being persecuted right now. And this is what Paul, uh, James said in verse uh, 7 to 12. He said that be patient, brothers and sisters. Be patient because the Lord is coming. Be patient because He is coming. He said in verse 7, be patient until the Lord's coming. Be patient. The word patient there is you endure the suffering. You know why James talking about patient? It's because in verse 1 to 5, the rich people are oppressing them. You remember Pastor Ken talked about the rich people oppressing the poor? What they do is that, what they, do is that they hold the, the, the payment for their work day. I mean, the, the work that they done. He, James, warned them about trusting in their earthly wealth. And then James encouraged these rich people to invest in heavenly investment. And in return, that should be our focus of uh, uh, that should be our focus as Christians too. That we invest in heavenly investment. And now there's a grumbling among the poor Christians. They wanted to come. They wanted the Lord Jesus Christ to come now because they want to have justice. And James said, "Be patient, my brothers and sisters. The Lord will come." He is addressing the issue of those who were oppressed, those who received unjust treatment, those who were wronged by people, and those who were persecuted by people and government. The word patience was mentioned twice in verse 7 and once in verse 8 and 10, while in verse 11, James used the word endured and endurance. Clearly, it is essential for our walk and Christian living to have patience. Patience is something you can learn when you read, you can't learn when you read the five step of mastering patience. You can't learn patience in a book 
or you, you can't learn patience overnight. Patience is a continuous process for Christians. In other words, you will learn patience all your life. Don't you? When, when you pray for God, when, when you pray that for, for patience, like, Lord, give me patience, what was God's answer to you? Did he, did he increase your patience? No. He actually sent more challenges or problems to increase your patience. Lord, this is not what I want. This is, this is not, uh, I don't need another problem. All I want is patience. But he sent you someone to test your patience. And James mentioned three, um, uh, 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 three people here that we can learn patience from. The first is that the, the patience of a farmer. The second is the patience of a prophet. And third, the, the patience of Job. What can we learn from the patience of, the farmer, of a farmer? You see, in verse 7, he said, Be patient until the Lord's coming, and be like a farmer waiting patiently for the rain to come. And you know, as the farmer waits for the rain, you know what they do? They will prepare the seed, the soil, and everything he has to make sure that his farm will be ready when the rain comes. Farmers, especially in, in, in that land, are dependent in rain. They don't have this modernized dam like we do, the irrigation that we have. The autumn rain begins to drop between October and November. Imagine that. If you are going to prepare your land while it's raining, it will be hard. And it will be cold. And the, and the late rains start in April and May. These farmers are actually completely powerless in controlling the rain. They don't know if the rain will come or not. All they can do is trust God that He will provide the rain that they needed on their farm. Church, this is, this is the lesson here. There are things in our lives that are completely out of our control. Why do we suffer from persecution? That is, not, that is beyond our control. Why people are not believing the gospel you shared? That is beyond our control. Why your children are stubborn despite you being a good parent, that is beyond our control. These are the things we can't control. There are, these are the things why, why we ask God, Lord, why? Lord, send me an answer. Why is this happening to me? I am a good Christian. I am a good follower of yours. Why is this happening to me? Why is it my children are not uh, uh, faithful in their walk with you? Why? Church, we can, we can, we can prepare the path to show these people why we believe the truth, this truth, and why they need Jesus. But it is not in our control, or it's not in our control to change them. This is God's 
control. Like the farmer, what they do is that they just rely on God's mercy and grace for the rain. There are things in our lives that you cannot control right now. But James is telling you, be patient, because God is in control. Be patient, church, because He is God. He is God. And as you wait, and as you, as you, as you wait for God's answer for your prayer, this is my, my, my prayer also, and this is the, church, uh, this is the encouragement of, of James, that you need to be prepared and be ready for that, for that rain that God will send to you. In verse 8, he said, Be patient and stand firm. The Lord's coming is near. There will be hardship, challenges, and persecution as we wait. The journey is not easy. It's not easy and it's not relaxing. The Lord Jesus Christ did not promise a Christian life that is a smooth sailing. He didn't say, when you accept me as your personal Lord and Savior, everything will be okay. People will love you. You will be rich. You will be famous. You will have a good family. No, actually... It's different. He said, people will persecute you. People will hate you because of me. Mother, mothers against daughter, father against their son, because of their faith to Christ. Because there is a difference between, be, between Christian and non-Christians. They can't understand why we are this, why we are are following the command of God. They can't because they are blind with their sin. That's why the Lord Jesus Christ said, carry your cross because there will be persecution. And he told us in his word that we will be persecuted as we follow his commands. We will be persecuted as we live our lives according to God's will. We will be persecuted as we stand for the truth. We will be persecuted as we share Christ with others. James is telling us to stand firm in all this situation. Yes, it will be hard. But remember, Christ is with you. And He is coming. That was His promise to you. So like James said, be patient until the Lord's coming because He will come. And as you patiently wait for Christ's coming, may your eyes be fixed in Him alone. In verse 9, He said, in verse 9, He said that do not complain about one another so that you will not be judged. Look, the judge stands at the Door. In other words, he said, don't put too much energy complaining against your brother. You remember in chapter 3 when he talks about taming the tongue? The tongue? 
he said that don't put too much energy on complaining about other Christians that are not living their lives as they should or are not doing their part in the ministry. Stop complaining about other people. If you are working right now or you are doing the ministry as of ushering and other people are not ushering or not are not volunteering to become an usher, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Just do your part. Be faithful in ushering. And if you are if your ministry is doing or, or leading the worship team and other people are not leading the worship team be, even though you know that they have the gift or, or talent to sing it's fine don't complain about it just do your ministry faithfully and if your ministry is worship or or teaching the, the children and you lack uh, teachers and nobody is volunteering and you know that there are people who are capable of teaching our children but does not want to, to, to volunteer, don't complain too much. Be faithful in what you are doing. Or if your ministry is cleaning and mopping the floor and no one is doing it, just you, and you know that there are capable men and women to, to clean and mop the floor, but they don't want to do it, it's fine. Don't complain too much. Just do your ministry faithfully for God. Because church, we are not doing ministry for these people, but we are doing ministry for God. We want to honor God. We want to worship God in what we do. For students, if, if your classmates are cheating and they're getting high grades, don't worry about it. God will be glorified in you if you do what is right. And in your work, if everyone is cheating, and you're the only person who are not cheating, don't complain about it too much. God will bless what you did on that particular place. Church, you are doing what you are doing because you want to honor God. <clears throat> you are doing this because you are honoring God. You are ushering because you are honoring God. You are teaching our children because you are honoring God. You are preparing food because we, you, are, you want to honor God. You are leading the worship because you want to honor God. By the way, if you want to honor God and you don't have a ministry, come talk to us we can we can give you an opportunity to be part of of honoring God in the ministry what I'm trying to say here is this we Christians are spending too much time complaining about the things that other people are not doing in the ministry of God and in the process this is what is happening to us. We are also affected in our ministry. But if you can only, if you can only just focus yourself in doing God's ministry, 
know, God will honor that. God will honor that. Secondly, is the patience of a prophet. We have witnesses when it comes to suffering in the faith. You're not alone. Don't think that you are alone in suffering because of your faith. Verse 10 says, Brothers and sisters, take the prophet who spoke in the Lord's name as an example of suffering in patience. This prophet, while patiently waiting for our Lord Jesus Christ's return, or our, uh, this, uh, I mean the, the Christian in James, while patiently waiting for Jesus Christ's return, James said, look at the prophet. They've seen the vision from God. They have seen the Lord Jesus Christ coming and they faithfully share that to his people. These prophets in the Old Testament, they preached the coming of the Messiah. They taught the Israelite. They taught these people faithfully. Even, in, even most of the time, they do not listen. And many of them were persecuted. Many of these prophets were persecuted and killed. But still, they faithfully share the truth. Church, there will be resistance when you share the gospel. There will be threat of losing your job. There will be persecution. There will be rejection. But I tell you this. Our Heavenly Father is powerful than all those threats, all those persecutions and rejections. All you have to do is to trust Him and just be faithful in sharing the gospel. These prophets, they have seen the coming of the Messiah, but they did not see Him in person. But they still faithfully share, teach that lesson to people. James is telling us that like the prophets, we must have, we must trust God in sharing the gospel. And if you are experiencing persecution or challenges in your life, in your Christian life, remember the story of, a, of three young men in the land of Babylon. Do you still remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? In Daniel 3, chapter 3, verse 16 and 18, this is what, this is the context of this. King Nebuchadnezzar made a uh, golden statue, and on the specific time, he wants all the people to worship that statue and bow down to that statue. These three guys did not do what the king commanded. And because of that, they are sentenced to death. But King Nebuchadnezzar said, oh, I'm going to give you a second chance. If you are going to bow down and worship this golden statue of mine, you will be spared. And you know what they said? Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. And this is what I love when they said this to the king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that ye have set. 
to set or that you have set up. Wow. These three young men are very courageous even in the face of death. The question is, how courageous are you when it comes to sharing Christ in your workplace? Are you afraid to share Christ because you are afraid to lose your job? Are you afraid to share Christ in, in school because you are afraid that the, the cool people will tell you that you're, you're, you're a geek? Or you're afraid because you don't have, or your view of God is small. I've seen many Christians, and one of them here is, I don't want to put him on the spot, a brother, uh, Amy love to, when we work together in a bay, he will quote a Bible verse to our patients. And they will exchange uh, or he will try to, to explain that Bible verse to the person. We have a policy that you cannot do that. But I, my point is this. He's not afraid. He's not afraid to lose his job because he is afraid to what God will say to him if he did not share the gospel. Church, a lot of people in our time today, they don't know Christ because we did not share the gospel. Fear is natural to all human beings because their fear is rooted in the unknown. We do not know what's going on to happen if we do this or that. What we don't know what's going to happen if we share the gospel to this person in our workplace. We don't know if we are going to lose our job if we, if we share the gospel in our workplace. But this is the truth, church. When you have received Christ, that fear was conquered. And your victory is assured and declared in Christ's blood. When, let me just share it to you before we go to the third point. When my wife and I working, I was working 100 hours, four years ago, 100 hours in a week in our clinic. 120 hours is my, uh, the, the highest hours I work in a week. We had so much money coming in our bank. But you know what? We are living paycheck to paycheck. My wife was working uh, night shift. You know all the perks in night shift. That's why a lot of Filipinos love to work night shift because there are, the pay is good, right? The benefit is good. And this is what happened to us. We thought that God is blessing us because we have money. Then suddenly we saw in our marriage the tension. You know that when I go home, 
she's going to work. We only, we only meet actually every day in, in wake med in the parking space. <laughs> and then she will go to work and I will go to sleep. And when she comes home, I'm not in the house, I'm working. That's our setup every day. And then we almost had that uh, marriage problem. But God was faithful that he protected us. We said, you know what? We need to give up these hours of working. We were so fearful that time. But we are so praying, Lord, if this is your will, let it be done in our lives. We pray first in her work that God will, will open a door for her to, to work in a morning shift. And guess what? God opened a door for her. And all the benefit that she lost working nighttime, God replaced that. And we were like, wow, praise God. And I was working per dean or as needed in, a, in, a, in, in my clinic. People are, are telling me, my coworkers, how can you live as, as per dean worker? And I told them, I have a God. And some say, oh, you're a pastor, that's why you're rich. Your church are paying for everything for you, your house, your truck, your, 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 your clothes. They're paying, for, they're paying it for you. And I said, and still, I come here every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday to work, right? If the church is paying for everything for my, for my need, I'll be in Bahamas and just doing, you know, a tourist is doing right now. But I said, you know, I have a God. My God provides everything. My point here, here is this. Fear is normal. But this is what I want you to remember. God is bigger than your fear. God is bigger than what you are fearing right now. All you have to do is trust God and say, yes, Lord, I will do it. Yes, Lord, even though I lose my job, I will do it. Like the prophet in the Old Testament. A lot of them, a lot of, uh, a lot of people in Israel, they did not listen. But they still faithfully share the gospel. Lastly, is that the patience of Job. If you think your suffering is the worst suffering of all, read the book of Job. For me, there will be no human suffering that will equal in the suffering of Job. You know what happened to him? Job was rich. He was famous. He was powerful. And uh, in an instant, he lost everything. He lost his properties. He lost his children. He, he, and he was covered with boils. He was ridic uh, ridiculed by his wife. His wife told him to deny God so that he'll die. And he was also blamed by his friends that he's suffering because of his wrongdoing. And that God is punishing him. 
That was the, 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 the story of Job. People are turning their back on him. That is why if you think that your suffering is worse, look at Job. There is no equal when it comes to his suffering. But of course, the ultimate suffering of all is the, the suffering of, of our Lord Jesus Christ. But in human perspective, Job's suffering is the worst. And he, if you're going to read the book, he's almost at the verge of cursing God. He's almost losing his patience because of these people telling him, it is your fault. That's why you're suffering. You have sinned. And he's, like, he's telling him, deny God because God left you already so that you'll die. But you know what Job did? He remained faithful to God. He remained patient to God. Because he knows that God is faithful. And for us, it is hard to comprehend why all the suffering is happening to our life. You have probably asked this question. Why is my life full of suffering? Why are Christians are suffering and the non-believers are enjoying everything? Why is the church is not growing? Why is it that those cults over there are growing? Church, you may not understand your situation right now, but I want you to know, I want you to know that God is in total control. You will never understand if you are going to read Job's life from chapter 1 to chapter, uh, uh, chapter or in the middle of the chapter. You will never see God's uh, answer to his prayer. You will never understand why he's suffering this kind of, of, of problems in his life. He was a faithful person. Every day he will come out to offer an offering to God, but he still suffers. You know what? In the end, God multiplied everything that Job lost. Because he was patient, waiting for God's answer, and he was faithful. Because he knows God is faithful. But for most Christians, this is victory. The properties are, are increased for Job's life. That is not the important part. You know what the important part? God was glorified in his life. Your wealth, your richness, your house, your car is not important. But the important thing is that you will glorify God in your life. Until we, we put our life to God's hand, we will never understand His will for our lives. James is encouraging us to, to, to be patiently or to, to patiently endure the suffering in our Christian walk. It will not be easy, but if you are obedient to His word, you will succeed. In verse 11, he says, he wrote, God, the Lord, is compassionate and merciful. This is true before, and it's still true in our time. God never changed. 
You know, what happened was that our perspective of God changed. In other words, God is no longer the center of our life, of our marriage, of our family, and of our church. We are filled with so many desires in life. We desire to have this, have that, and so many th other things. Have you not noticed that the more we want things, the more we are not satisfied with what God gave us already? So what we do is we try to work hard and make more money for us and for our family. We work double shift. We seldom see our family. But it's okay because we know that money will pour in at the end of the month. I'm not saying that money is bad, but if money becomes the center of your life, that is a sin. What I'm saying is this, that when those things become your priority and not God, your relationship with Him will surely deteriorate. Your, your relationship with Him will surely deteriorate. You want to know if your relationship with Him is deteriorating? Let's have a, a, a quick spiritual checkup here, and we'll be closing in a few minutes. Let's answer this question. You don't have to raise your hands. Okay? Just answer it truthfully. First question is, do I spend time praying or other stuff? Do I spend time reading God's word or spending to other stuff? Do I share Jesus Christ or share other stuff? Church, this is the truth. There's only two things that is actually dividing you. The Lord says you cannot serve both uh, two masters at the same time. You have to deny one and be faithful to the other one. What is your priority? Is it Christ or the other stuff? <clears throat> James is telling us that as we faithfully wait for the Lord's coming, let us be, let us be faithful to Christ in our lives. Let us be Christ-centered people. You want your children to become a Christian or you want your children to know Christ, be faithful in Christ. You want to have a good relationship, be faithful in Christ. You want to, to, to enjoy your work, be faithful in Christ. James' call for us is fix our eyes to Jesus as he comes where are your eyes fixed right now let us pray our dear Heavenly Father you taught us to wait patiently for your coming You taught us to 
wait for the bridegroom to come. And as you wait, O oh Lord, you want us to be ready. Like those five virgins who patiently waited for the bridegroom and made sure that they have an extra oil in their lamp. Father God, the call for us is the same. That when you come, and as we wait for your coming, we will be faithful, Father God. There are so many things that divides our attention. There are so many things that actually is leading our lives right now, or controlling our lives right now. We put too much effort or too much time in our work, in our hobby, on TV, on Facebook. But we don't put too much, we won't put time in reading your word, discussing your word, meditating upon your word, and sharing your word, O Lord. like those farmers, Father God, you want us to faithfully prepare the soil. Father God, we pray that your people will be like those this farmer, oh God, that was mentioned in the book of James. That we will have a patience of a farmer, that we will have a patience of a prophet, and that we will have the patience of Job. Lord, the truth is your coming. Thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In this name we pray. Amen.